radio show where we talk about ideas that matter. I'm glad you've made the connection and are with us today. I'm Lori Fitz, your host, and the goal of our show is to explore a wide range of topics that challenge us to see ourselves, our community, and the world around us that get us thinking, get us talking, get us imagining, get us connected, and perhaps inspired or challenged to do just a bit more because we made the connection. Connections is about sharing ideas and sharing our stories. And that's what the Eastside Freedom Library is all about as well. Connections is doing a partnership with the Eastside Freedom Library. And our shows will be exploring wonderful stories of place, history, and culture. The Eastside Freedom Library is a place for telling stories and a place to listen and engage with the stories. And our Connections radio show, we're going to be seeking to do the same and be an on-air extension of those conversations. In addition to our show today, we're going to be having three more shows in 2018. And beginning in 2019, we'll be having the first Saturday of the month featuring the Eastside Freedom Library and spotlighting the Eastside community. Today, we're going to be talking about women who have dwelled and do dwell in more than one culture. This, we believe, is going to resonate with our Eastsiders who themselves or parents may be living in multicultural worlds. But we all have an experience of living in many cultures, and I believe this is a celebration we all can enjoy and experience and talk about and think about. And I have a co-host that will be joining me for all of these shows. He is the co-executive director of the Eastside Freedom Library, Peter Ratcliffe. Welcome, Peter. Thank you, Lori. So glad that we're having this partnership. I'm so excited about the year ahead and all of the great stories that we're going to be exploring. And today's a really special story. Yes, a very special story because a wonderful former student uh, from McAllister College who has gone on uh, to have an impact on uh, the telling of stories and the understanding of race, class, and gender uh, across the Southern Hemisphere, uh, both in South Africa and Australia, uh, Sasanke Emsamang. And Sasanke has written a memoir, uh, which has just been published in the United States, called Always Another Country. And she's coming on a barnstorming book tour, uh, visiting both Canada and the United States, and visiting the Eastside Freedom Library next uh, Friday, uh, September, excuse me, next Friday, September 28th, uh, where she'll be in conversation with three other great uh, women writers, Kalkalia Yang, Victoria Blanco, and Lena Jamul, all of whom we're fortunate to have as residents here in the Twin Cities. Welcome, Sasanke. Thank you so much for having me. So tell us, tell us a little bit about your book that you've written. So I um, wrote this book, uh, despite not having very many um, accomplishments, um, (laughs) because I wanted to tell a few small stories about what it was like to grow up in different African countries. Um, And in part, I wanted to do that because so many of the stories uh, that people will hear about South Africa are stories about big men, Mm -hmm. Um, Nelson Mandela being one of them. um, Jan Smuts, General Jan Smuts, uh, Cecil John Rhodes. So we have these very large male characters that kind of populate South African history. Um, and I think that not enough attention has been paid to kind of the smaller stories of ordinary people. Um, and so it seemed like the easiest way to kind of do that was to to write about my family and our kind of journeys across the world against set against the backdrop of a pretty dramatic thing, which was apartheid. Now you're from South, or your family's from South Africa, but you grew up in Zambia, Kenya, and Canada. Yes, um, exactly. So when, um, when my father was 21 years old, he left, um, he left South Africa. Um, Nelson Mandela had just started a new revolutionary army called Mkonto Wesizwe, the Spear of the Nation. Um, and my father was one of the first recruits. He was a university student um, at the, a famous university called Fort Hare, which was kind of like the African version of Harvard for black people. Um, 
And so uh, they were heavily recruiting at Fort Hare, and my father joined the underground, uh, slipped into exile, um, and didn't return to South Africa for 30 years. And in that 30 years, my sisters and I were born, and obviously my parents met one another in exile, and he went to Russia, and we lived in Zambia, and we lived in Kenya and Canada, and they lived in Ethiopia, and I went to school in the States, and and then Nelson Mandela was was released uh, from from prison, and, and um, the ANC, which my father was a part of, and which was the community we grew up in, was unbanned. Going from one place to the next, that must have had an impact on you. It did. I mean, it, it's um, it's certainly not easy to move around a lot when you're a kid. Um, but I think the remarkable thing about my parents, both of them, but my mother in particular, and I know a lot of people can relate to this, is that when you're lucky enough to have, um, you know, really thoughtful and and responsible parents, they somehow make uh, things feel okay for you. Um, and in our case, obviously, we had this sort of fantastic, um, you know, sort of story of Nelson Mandela as the reason why we were moving from place to place. So you kind of, you know, as a kid, you can't trump that, you know, it's like, well, why are we moving again? Well, you know, there's this guy called Nelson Mandela and he's in prison on this island. (laughs) And when he's free, girls, we will go back home. Uh, But until he is, we have to keep up this lifestyle. So it was a, uh, you know, you sort of grew up as a kid with this understanding that the world was bigger than you and that you had you you fit in you were a little piece in a in a much bigger puzzle and when south africa was free then we would go home it's so interesting to me to hear your story and to think that we are at the eastside freedom library working a lot with karen kids who were born in refugee camps in thailand and have never lived in burma and their mm. whole understanding of who they are and where they have come from is based on the stories that their parents and other elders in the community tell them. Mm. Um, was there a kind of expatriate community that y- you and your family were also part of in these other countries that you were hearing about Mandela and other stories from people besides your parents? Definitely. Um, so especially in Zambia, um, uh, Zambia was the, uh, Lusaka, the capital city of Zambia was the headquarters of the African National Congress um, in exile. Uh, so when it was banned, uh, you know, people left the country and set up shop in many different places. And Zambia was the headquarters. It was a remarkably well-organized freedom struggle. Um, and so we, we grew up as part of this community of people who um, had a very strong and clear sense of themselves as important people in the world. Um, And that sense of confidence, I think, within the ANC community that I grew up uh, in was really important as a kind of foundation. Um, So although we, we knew what racism was and we knew that we were not living in South Africa because it was a racist um, country, we grew up um, believing that every black person around us was remarkable, mainly because they were. (laughs) So they were all, you know, um, people who were either in exile because they were political or they were in exile because they were studying to be this Mm -hmm. or studying to be that. So they were the first black neuroscientist or the first black person ever, you know, to move to this town in in Sweden. You know, it was a, you know, I I refer to it in the book as a sort of a community of first blacks. and, and so it was a, a pretty, you know, amazing childhood. We, we learned freedom songs. We, mm. uh, we were, you know, indoctrinated in communism. We, you know, we were very much uh, revolutionary kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, and so yeah. what, what was it like to move from Kenya to Canada and, and to be in a predominantly white space? Yeah, it's funny because I was just gonna I was gonna ask you about um, about the kids that you're working with mm-hmm. because I wonder about whether their sense of themselves is as Burmese or whether their sense of themselves is as American um, 
I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, because mm-hmm. our sense of ourselves was a South African, but I, I think depending on what the story is that your parents and your community tell you about whether or not you will ever go home, um, you know, that shifts. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I wanted to, uh, we're coming close to the end of this first segment. So I wanted to create a little segue for our audience to be thinking about. You are now also the head of oral storytelling in Perth, Australia. Uh, so that has become, I, I assume, part of what you hold dear is to understand other stories and help them share their stories. Absolutely, which is why I can't resist asking a question, even though it's an interview. No, no, please, please, absolutely. Well, I want to also make sure that the audience knows that the Eastside Freedom Library um, is inviting everyone to join a very special conversation with women writers who experience cross and uh, who experiences and cross and straddle borders. Um, The title of the event is Borders, Stories, and Transformation. It's Friday. September 28th, which is next Friday at 7 p.m. For more information on that, you can go to the eastsidefreedomlibrary.org. Uh, and our friend Sosonke will be there sharing your story. And this is your first time back in a, a little while to the U.S. Is that right? It's, uh, so I'm in, and out, I'm in and out of the U.S. a lot oh, okay. uh, because I, I serve on a, a, a few boards Um uh, one that works on conflict issues um, and another one that uh, works on women's health globally. So I'm in and out of uh, the East Coast a lot, but I haven't been to Minnesota for 15 years. Well, we're welcoming you back and we're going to take a quick break. So I want everyone to stay tuned because we want to hear more about Sasonki's life and the work that she's doing and the stories that she tells. So you're listening to AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota on Connections Radio Show. One in six seniors faces the threat of hunger, and millions more live in isolation. Drop off a hot meal and say a quick hello. Volunteer for Meals on Wheels by donating your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. The 54th Nobel Conference, Living Soil, a Universe Underfoot, is happening October 2nd and 3rd at Gustavus Adolphus College. The Nobel Conference invites participants to consider the vast diversity and complexity of soil and to ponder the challenges we face in protecting this most fundamental resource. Join 4,000 people on campus for one or both days to experience the presentation and Q&A sessions or watch the live stream. Some of the discussion questions the Nobel Conference will address include what is soil health and what processes sustain health healthy soils, what interactions connect the living entities in the soil, and how do those interactions shape natural systems, and how will climate change affect soils. New to this year's conference is that you can buy two tickets and get one free when you use the discount code FRIEND. Again, that's the 54th Nobel Conference, Living Soil a Universe Underfoot, on Tuesday, October 2nd and Wednesday, October 3rd at Gustavus. Find a list of speakers, the schedule, and registration at gustavus.edu slash nobelconference. That's gustavus.edu slash nobelconference. Stages Theatre Company is turning 35 years young, and we invite you to join the celebration. Stages is one of the largest and most respected professional theatres for young audiences in the country, serving over 150,000 individuals annually through opportunities on stage, education classes, workshops, and in-school programs. Our most magnificent season is truly that, built with young people, families, and classrooms in mind, and based on beautiful, imaginative, and inspiring books and stories, encouraging young people to dream big, invent big, and invest in curiosity. Charlotte's Web, Mary Poppins Jr., Hidden Heroes, and Willy Wonka are just a few of the exciting productions we're proud to present in the coming season. Come celebrate the magnificence with us all season long. Visit us at stagestheater.org. That's stagestheater.org. Building a new home or remodeling a treasured older home can be one of the most exciting and rewarding endeavors of a lifetime. The key to success is to have your priorities and expectations decided up front and that your building partners all share your goals and vision. Steve Northway, founder of Construction Advocates, takes the mystery out of the process of building or remodeling and helps ensure a rewarding process for all involved. For more information or to set up an interview with Steve, go to constructionadvocates.com. That's constructionadvocates.com. 
Park Square Theater invites you to The Agitators, a new play telling of the surprisingly timely story of the friendship between Susan B. Anthony and Frederick Douglass. Young abolitionists, when they met in the 1840s, they were full of hopes, dreams, and common purpose. Great allies, yes, and at times, great adversaries. They agitated the nation, they agitated each other, and in doing so, they changed the course of American history. On stage at Park Square Theater, now through October 28th. Check out parksquaretheater.org. That's parksquaretheater.org. radio show where we talk about ideas that matter and we share stories. We are very excited because we are in partnership with the Eastside Freedom Library. And the Eastside Freedom Library is all about exploring wonderful stories of place, history, and culture. And today we have been talking uh, about um, the work of Sasanke M. Samang. Do I have that correct, Sasanke? Yes, M. Yes. Samang, the work that you have done and the work that you are doing uh, in sharing your stories of place and history and culture, uh, you are you have just written a new book, Always Another Country, and we're hearing more about that. And you're also coming uh, on a book tour, and you'll be here next Friday night, and we all get to meet you. <laughs> Peter Ratcliffe is my co-host. He is the co-executive director of the Eastside Freedom Library. Thank you, Peter. Thank you, Lori. Uh, and thank you, Sasanke. I'm so looking forward to your visit and spending time and sharing you with people in our community. Uh, thank you so much for the yeah. invitation. So um, I was very struck in the last year by two pieces that you wrote uh, that had considerable attention in American media. And and that was a, an essay about Grace Mugabe um, and your your op-ed piece about Winnie Mandela. And mm-hmm. I wonder if you would say a little bit about how you saw and see both Grace Mugabe and Winnie Mandela as icons of the ways that we all look at women uh, and their roles uh, within political culture. Um, sure. I think they're, they're so dramatically different um, and strangely sort of equally reviled. Yes. (laughs) Um, So Grace Mugabe, um, yeah, so Grace Mugabe uh, was the much younger wife of, is the much younger wife of President Robert Mugabe. And, you know, Mugabe is interesting because he begins as this um, uh, freedom fighter. He's a hero, much like actually the people we've been discussing, Mm -hmm. the people I grew up um, and he becomes the first um, black president of Zimbabwe in 1980. He negotiates a settlement, much like as the case was in South Africa, um, much like Nelson Mandela did, um, in order to stop bloodshed. And he negotiates around land and, and makes a settlement that says, we will not take land off the white people in Zimbabwe. We will um, figure out a way to live together in this kind of tentative way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then about uh, 10 years into uh, freedom in Zimbabwe, um, under a lot of pressure, um, economic pressure and a whole range of other things, political pressure, Mugabe begins to be more, um, you know, complicated about land. And um, and he, in the intervening years, has married a much younger woman. He becomes a kind of pariah of the international community, uh, many people in Zimbabwe actually don't see Mugabe as a bad guy, but his wife becomes the bad guy, mm-hmm. as it were. Mm-hmm. So Grace Mugabe is a younger woman who comes in and takes the vitriol of the nation. So people blame her for her husband's behavior. He mm-hmm. becomes a dictator. Mm-hmm. It's fault, right? She's driving him to it. This is what we do with women. Yes. Um, so, so Grace Mugabe is a complex figure. She shops way too much. <laughs> she is not somebody um, who's easy to defend, but I think the the vitriol against her exceeds the crimes uh, mm-hmm. of which accountable. Because ultimately, he is the supposed to be elected leader, and yet we take out our anger on on her mm-hmm. um, because that's what we do very often. I think in America we saw this with Hillary Clinton, yes. right? Um, we see that women are easy to dislike, um, and it's much easier to to display our disappointment, our anger our questions at women um, much easier than it is towards men. I, I'm still amazed at how many times people say, but what about her emails? I'm like, really, people? I mean, it just, it, it amazes me the how much vitriol she does. Uh, yeah, and and it's um, interesting because with, um, with Hillary Clinton, 
it almost doesn't matter what you, what it was that you would have chosen against her. It mm-hmm. would have stuck. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the emails is an excuse to have something against her, sure. right? So it's sure. not about emails. It's about right. her. Right. right. <laughs> um, and so similarly, I think Winnie Mandela, I've just finished a book about Winnie Mandela. So my second book oh. is almost out. And um, I could talk about her for ages, but we don't have a lot of time. Yeah. <laughs> but she's an amazing, amazing, incredibly courageous woman who keeps Nelson Mandela's name alive for 27 years. Uh, without Winnie's constant campaigning, we would not have remembered him. Um, she is articulate, eloquent, very angry, and she makes some really, really um, bad mistakes. She's tortured, she's detained, and then towards the 1980s and 1990s, she becomes a very, very controversial figure because she gets involved in violence. So she's uncompromising. Mm-hmm. And um, though many freedom-fighting men are involved in violence, including her husband, uh, she takes all the flack for the choices that she makes. So I think ultimately, you know, what we know about women, no matter where we are in the world, when we behave like men, we are um, disliked. When we don't behave like men, we are disliked. Yeah. <laughs> Tough choice there. <laughs> I guess we just need to get used yeah. to not being liked. You, yeah. might as well do what you, you might as well just do what you want. Right, right. <laughs> right. Well, part of what's so interesting to me about that and in relationship to our work at the Eastside Freedom Library is the way that patriarchy has become a kind of bridge between the specific cultures of newcomers, whether they are Eritrean or Oromo or Karen or Hmong, and a bridge to American culture. And it's horrible that the initial first step of assimilation is built on the perpetuation of patriarchy. And and I think that's such a difficult and important point to become aware of and a, and a point to kind of dig at. And so and we've question had... question into, right. Yeah, and we've had panels of people from different communities who have come in and, and women who have talked about the the challenge of being divorced within their culture. We've had gay men and lesbian uh, women and transgender people who have come in and talked about being ostracized within their communities. And so we see how these patterns really of, of power are replicated and kept alive within American culture. And then we have this guy in the White House who is probably the the greatest synthesis of all of these kinds of bad values and perspectives. Mm, the poster child of it. Yes, the yeah. poster child. I mean, yeah. although although the it's interesting because although America has always um in terms of its foreign policy actions, it's always been a, a deeply problematic state. Um, what it has also simultaneously been able to do is it's been able to act as a kind of uh, beacon for democratic values. Yes. And part of why it's been able to do that has been because of what America was like domestically. Mm-hmm. So what you always say is, regardless of what they're doing in the rest of the world because of American imperialism, which we don't condone or excuse, which we recognize, look at them, look at the striving within the country, look at who Americans are trying to be and what they're trying to do. Um, And that serves as some kind of template for a morality that reaches, you know, beyond, you know, what we, what we are just to what we want. Well, I think what it gets lost sometime is that, that America's built as an idea. Freedom is an idea. The pursuit of happiness and that all people are considered equal and created equal is an idea. Um, So, yes. I would love to spend some more time. Can I persuade you to stay a little bit longer? We're going to go into the next segment. Um, and we'll we'll have one more quick question before um, we let you go. And then we have another guest that will be joining us. So you're listening to AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. And the Eastside Freedom Library is inviting everyone to Borders, Stories, and Transformation on Friday, September 28th at 7 p.m. For more information, go to the eastsidefreedomlibrary.org. We'll be right back. Keep with us. We're having a great conversation.
This is why you work so hard to pay the mortgage. Because home is more than four walls and a roof. It's that porch swing and a summer evening. It's everybody over for Sunday dinner and your family sleeping in their own beds at night. Making home affordable is a free government resource that can make paying the mortgage easier. Call 888-995-HOPE or visit makinghomeaffordable.gov. Good night, Mama. This is why. Brought to you by the U.S. Treasury, HUD, and the Ad Council. Building a new home or remodeling a treasured older home can be one of the most exciting and rewarding endeavors of a lifetime. The key to success is to have your priorities and expectations decided up front and that your building partners all share your goals and vision. Steve Northway, founder of Construction Advocates, takes the mystery out of the process of building or remodeling and helps ensure a rewarding process for all involved. For more information or to set up an interview with Steve, go to constructionadvocates.com. That's constructionadvocates.com. The 54th Nobel Conference, Living Soil, a Universe Underfoot, is happening October 2nd and 3rd at Gustavus Adolphus College. The Nobel Conference invites participants to consider the vast diversity and complexity of soil and to ponder the challenges we face in protecting this most fundamental resource. Join 4,000 people on campus for one or both days to experience the presentation and Q&A sessions or watch the live stream. Some of the discussion questions the Nobel Conference will address include what is soil health and what processes sustain healthy soils, what interactions connect the living entities in the soil, and how do those interactions shape natural systems, and how will climate change affect soils. New to this year's conference is that you can buy two tickets and get one free when you use the discount code FRIEND. Again, that's the 54th Nobel Conference, Living Soil, a Universe Underfoot, on Tuesday, October 2nd and Wednesday, October 3rd at Gustavus. Find a list of speakers, the schedule, and registration at gustavus.edu slash nobelconference. That's gustavus.edu slash nobelconference. Connections Radio Show is all about tapping into our hardwired hunger to connect. We examine meaningful connections to ourselves, our community, and the world around us by opening the door to innovative insights by a wide variety of interesting guests. We'll make the connections to something bigger than ourselves. Join me, Lori Fitz, your host of Connections Radio Show, and together we'll make the connections. Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Stages Theatre Company is turning 35 years young, and we invite you to join the celebration. Stages is one of the largest and most respected professional theaters for young audiences in the country, serving over 150,000 individuals annually through opportunities on stage, education classes, workshops, and in-school programs. Our most magnificent season is truly that, built with young people, families, and classrooms in mind, and based on beautiful, imaginative, and inspiring books and stories, encouraging young people to dream big, invent big, and invest in curiosity. Charlotte's Web, Mary Poppins Jr., Hidden Heroes, and Willy Wonka are just a few of the exciting productions we're proud to present in the coming season. Come celebrate the magnificence with us all season long. Visit us at stagestheater.org. That's stagestheater.org. With your AM 950 weather, I'm Hunter Haas. Saturday, mostly sunny with a high near 63. Sunday, sunny with a high near 71. And Monday, chance of showers, partly sunny with a high near 72. Create an environmental legacy at Prairie Oaks Memorial Eco Garden, Minnesota's first green cemetery. Green cemeteries do not allow toxic embalming fluids, metal caskets, concrete vaults, or standing grave markers. Green cemeteries are green spaces. They often look like parks. To find out more about Prairie Oaks Memorial Eco Gardens, visit mngreengraves.com. where we talk about ideas that matter. And we partner with the Eastside Freedom Library. On our shows, we explore wonderful stories of place, history, and culture. We have, in addition to this show today, we're going to be having three more shows in 2018, in October, November, and December. And then starting in 2019, you can count on it on the first Saturday of the month. We will be featuring Eastside Freedom Library and spotlighting the Eastside community. Today we've been talking with Sasonke, and I'm going to have uh, I have my friend M. M. Samang. So Sonki yes. M. Samang, who has written a memoir. We have been chatting with her about her book, Always Another Country. We also are going to be having uh, Lena Jamul be joining us during this segment. 
But I want to have one more question for you before you go, Sasanki. And thank you. You are you are skyping in from Australia, so we know that it's 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 uh, uh, we we are very grateful that you are willing to cross time to to join us today. <laughs> so I see here that you have twenty thousand followers on Twitter. And that you've done a TED Talk that has been viewed over a million times. And one thing that struck me from the TED Talk is the statement, if a story moves you, act on it. Tell me about that. So I think that um, in this modern age where so many of us are connected uh, to the Internet and are able to access the stories of many, many people. It's really important to keep a couple of things in mind. One of them is that there's this seduction, this temptation to think that listening to a story means that you've done something, that you've connected with someone from another part of the world, mm -hmm. or that you um, know something, you know, um, you hear a story about a, a prisoner on death row, and so you feel somehow close to that person. Um, but hearing a story is different from doing something about the social injustice that is embedded in the story. Uh, and so I guess I wanted to talk a little bit to people about um, how often we say that stories change the world, because I don't think stories change the world. I think people change the world. And so I think the uh, onus is on all of us when we hear a story, when something moves us, that it shouldn't just move us emotionally, that I think it's important that it move us in action. Sasanke, thank you so much. I mean, that is really how Connections got started. We wanted to talk about ideas, but we also wanted to motivate people to do something, to act on it, and whatever that may be. So we're very honored to have you be part of Connections and to promote that very same idea. What are you going to do? You've, you've had a story that moved you, so act on it. Do something. That's right. Thank you so much for thank having you. me. See thank you. See you in a week. Yes, See you in a week. Yeah. and for our audience, please know you can um, hear more from Sasonke by coming to the Eastside Freedom Library. It's the uh, September 28th at 7 p.m. Uh, it's called Borders, Stories, and Transformation. And you'll have a chance to hear more about the book that Sasonke wrote and ask her questions. So, again, thank you so much, and we'll look forward to meeting you next week. Now we have another... Uh, Another person joining us today, who has also uh, had uh, multicultural experiences, Lena Jamul. Uh, and I understand, Lena, you also have a role in both the arts and labor. Yeah, that's right. When I heard you introduce me as an artist, I kind of I thought, oh, is she talking about me? <laughs> but I, I often, uh, well, I, I see myself more as an organizer than an artist. But uh, yes, I've, I've been working in labor and community organizing work um, for almost 20 years now. Both the things that fuel my love for the arts and, and my love for organizing, are they're one and the same. And how did you get started in your work with community organization? Well, it really goes back to uh, my family and my parents and mine, my family's experiences. I was born in Damascus in Syria in 1977. And at the time, um, the Assad regime was ruling the country. The, the father, Hafez al-Assad, the father of Bashar al-Assad, who's in power now. And... Um, my parents were um, part of um, many other people who were trying to make changes in the country, who were trying to build parties that um, that could be more democratic. And so our family ended up uh, leaving the country because it was dangerous to stay. Many of my parents, friends, and colleagues ended up in prison or in exile. And I think we were one of the the lucky, the lucky ones were able to leave. So my dad left earlier, and then my mom and I followed him in 1984. Yeah, and so that um, I then grew up around a lot of other families who were essentially in political exile from the Arab world, including um, Syria, Iraq, Palestine. And so... Um, this sense of social justice was was part of was part of my DNA, um, and then uh, as I went to college and was exposed to 
organizations like the Industrial Areas Foundation that was started up by Saul Alinsky in the 1930s in Chicago. Um, I realized, oh, I can, I can do this as a, as a, as a career, um, and and started training and and working in that work. There must be a heartbreak in seeing what's happening in Syria today. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And the the heartbreak is. Um, I mean, it's strange because when the Arab Spring first erupted, um, there was optimism um, and surprise, Mm -hmm. especially with those of us who are living abroad, those of us who are part of the Arab diaspora. Um, I remember talking to my dad at the time when Mubarak resigned in Egypt and I don't think I've heard my dad sound so happy. So much hope, I'm sure. Yeah. Yep. Um, but then, of course, it turned sour, um, and and things got worse instead of better. In doing and the- it, you know, it continues. Yeah. Um, and it, I think. <laughs> Quote, uh, I, I don't remember who said this, but uh, hell is a bottomless pit comes to mind. Mm-hmm. There's no, you, you think things can't get worse and then they do. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I feel like I get to, um, I get to work for peace and justice where I am and I can't help believe that it has some ripple effects. In in straddling the Syrian world that is a heartbreak and the hopeful world in the work that you're doing to build community and build um, labor support, does that um, tell me some of the ways that in doing your work you feel like you are helping to accomplish the peace that you are, you are seeking? Yeah, I don't know if it, it's not I think it requires a stretch of the imagination because it's not directly related. Mm -hmm. You know, I believe in democracy as a global phenomena, as a, as a global practice. And I think that labor unions are fundamental to a a free and democratic country Mm -hmm. in building a a strong labor organization here in the U S I think it makes the country more democratic, which in turn just, contribute something to the world. Sure. There are folks that may have misunderstandings about what it means to be part of a a labor union. Um, Tell me what it means to you, the work that you do as helping to organize labor union. Well, it means that workers get to have a voice in how their workplaces run. There's there's sometimes a tendency to, to see labor in narrow terms of either in terms of health care and benefits for people who are in the union. And sometimes those people who are opposed to the union will try and pit workers who are in the union against workers who are not in the union. Mm-hmm. And so we'll, we'll create a kind of a, a zero-sum mentality of pointing to union workers who have good health care and saying, you know, they have good health care, you don't, you should be for taking their health care away too. The way I see it is that you, if you lift standards for a set of workers, inevitably standards for other workers get lifted too. An example of this was our recent campaign to get paid parentally for state workers saw knock-on effects of other major employers start to offer similar benefit to their workers because the employer now has to be competitive. And I have to believe that when you get better benefits, you get better engagement at work and that Mm -hmm. it, it supports not only having um, good and important uh, support to our families and our community, but it also can support the business. It's a good business decision uh, Mm -hmm. to create an environment where people want to work and enjoy working and have good benefits. Yeah, for sure. Well, we're coming uh, to the end of this segment. 
Uh, I want to make sure, again, that folks who may have tuned in, they might might not know that there is a wonderful program at the Eastside Library on Friday, September 28th. The name of the program is Borders, Stories, and Transformation. It's at 7 p.m., and for more information on that, you can go to the eastsidefreedomlibrary.org. Stay with us. We're going to continue our conversation about multicultures and women who straddle many worlds. So thank you. Uh, We are looking forward to talking to you some more, Lena. And stay tuned. We'll be right back. One in six seniors faces the threat of hunger, and millions more live in isolation. Drop off a hot meal and say a quick hello. Volunteer for Meals on Wheels by donating your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Stages Theatre Company is turning 35 years young, and we invite you to join the celebration. Stages is one of the largest and most respected professional theatres for young audiences in the country, serving over 150,000 individuals annually through opportunities on stage, education classes, workshops, and in-school programs. Our most magnificent season is truly that, built with young people, families, and classrooms in mind, and based on beautiful, imaginative, and inspiring books and stories, encouraging young people to dream big, invent big, and invest in curiosity. Charlotte's Web, Mary Poppins Jr., Hidden Heroes, and Willy Wonka are just a few of the exciting productions we're proud to present in the coming season. Come celebrate the magnificence with us all season long. Visit us at stagestheater.org. That's stagestheater.org. Connections Radio Show is all about tapping into our hardwired hunger to connect. We examine meaningful connections to ourselves, our community, and the world around us. By opening the door to innovative insights by a wide variety of interesting guests, we'll make the connections to something bigger than ourselves. Join me, Lori Fitz, your host of Connections Radio Show, and together, we'll make the connections. Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Park Square Theater invites you to The Agitators, a new play telling the surprisingly timely story of the friendship between suffragette Susan B. Anthony and civil rights activist Frederick Douglass. Young abolitionists, when they met in the 1840s, they were full of hopes, dreams, and common purpose. Great allies, yes, and at times, great adversaries. They agitated the nation. They agitated each other. And in doing so, they changed the course of American history. The story of the Civil War and its aftermath comes to life in exploring the roots of racism during the abolition of slavery and also brings to light the struggles of sexism and the challenge of female emancipation. This play touches the agitator within to fight for what's important. Directed by Signe V. Haraday, this regional premiere stars Emily Gunyu-Hallis as Susan B. Anthony and Nick Sapp as Frederick Douglass on stage at Park Square Theater now through October 28th. Check out parksquaretheater.org. That's parksquaretheater.org. Buy appliances below cost at Warner Stellion's Real Deal Clearance Sale through this Monday. Hundreds of yellow tag closeouts and floor models below cost. Plus, unmatched savings on new special buys, including big savings on select dishwashers and free installation from our trusted specialists. Yellow tagged appliances below cost and unmatched savings on special buys during the Real Deal Clearance Sale, Saturday through Monday at all 10 Warner Stallion stores. Radio show where we talk about ideas that matter and we also talk about stories. And stories is something that is both important to Connections Radio Show as well as the Eastside Freedom Library. And Connections is doing a partnership with the Eastside Freedom Library. And we are having three more shows in addition to this one. We'll be having one in October, November, December. Uh, our next show, we're going to be featuring the Agitators with the Park Square Theater. So be sure to tune in for that October 13th show as well. Uh, and today, we have been talking about women who have dwelled in many cultures and insights that they offer. Uh, we're also promoting uh, a program that's going to be taking place next Friday 
at the Eastside Freedom Library, Borders, Stories, and Transformation. That's Friday, September 28th at 7 p.m. And you can get more information at the eastsidefreedomlibrary.org. But Peter Ratcliffe, who is my co-host, will tell us a little bit about all of the people who are going to be at that program. Well, we're very excited, you know, first of all, that Sasanki M. Samang is coming to visit us as part of her U.S. and Canada book tour. Uh, and that three terrific local women are going to engage her in conversation, and then all of us who are present will be able to participate. Um, we'll be hearing from Lena Jamul, whom we're also talking to uh, on this show, and we'll be hearing from Kalkalia Yang, uh, who has written two great books, uh, The Late Homecomer and The Song Poet, uh, books about her community, her family, and her own experiences growing up in a refugee camp in Thailand and uh, and then moving to the McDonough Homes Project in St. Paul and becoming a writer and an educator and a very important figure uh, in the Hmong and the literary community locally. And Victoria Blanco, uh, who is a great writer of the experiences of women on both sides of the border and crossing the border uh, between Ciudad Juarez and El Paso, and particularly women of the Raramuri ethnic group um, and their roles in their culture. And she's a great practitioner of creative nonfiction, um, and she too will be joining us on Friday night, the 28th. So um, I'd like to go back to Lena while we have her on the air. and. Um, I think, Lena, when I first became aware of you, uh, you were acting um, in my former student Sim Khalidi's play um, about the refugee camp in uh, Lebanon. Um, so I knew you as an actor and, uh, and then have gotten to know you as a union activist and leader and I'm also becoming aware of you as a writer. And, and I wonder, how do you put these pieces of yourself together in a way that makes sense to you? Wow, that's a really good and difficult question. <laughs> um, it's, uh, there's, in, in organizing work, um, what I find, I don't know about other people, but for me, um, it requires it requires a lot of energy to to put out to constantly be talking to people and engaging people and bringing them together to act um, and building connections with people so they can have enough trust and solidarity so so they can we can act together mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um, art um, for me is more it's more it's more mine. Uh, more a fuel for my own energy, mm-hmm. um, and where uh, where I get energy from, I get to um, maybe retreat a little bit, which is counterintuitive because you're not really retreating, especially in the theater context. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you do have to kind of <clears throat> go out there, but it's less. Uh, um, it's more of a refuge. I guess for me, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And did did you start acting when you were in London, or was that something you got interested in when you came to the states? It was. Um, I was acting as a in high school. That was mm-hmm. the first time that mm-hmm. um, um, that my acting bug um, uh, that I caught the acting bug and. What was interesting is my high school teacher, uh, my politics high school teacher, was also the drama club coordinator. Uh, oh, that was convenient. Have both yeah. your passions. Well, one of the things that yeah. I've noticed about good uh, theater people, good actors, is that they're very much in the moment and that they're very present. And I think being able to truly deeply engage and listen deeply and be in the moment, I have to believe, is also important for your work in community development. That's exactly right, Lori. I, it's uh, the listening. The listening skill is critical as an actor and as an organizer. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. They're listening. It's a muscle, I mm-hmm. guess, more than a skill. Mm-hmm. And people can sense that. People can sense that when you're fully engaged and you're not just waiting to talk at them. You know, when you create that full and real conversation that connects with a person about understanding where they're coming from, having that empathy. I think art gives us more muscle for empathy. We, we have to perform characters that may be far you know, removed from who we are, but we still have to find that, that connection to that character that brings that character life. And I'd have to believe that in your community organization, you do that same kind of connection with the people around you. Yeah. And it also, acting gives you a sense of balance. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about the stage being balanced uh, and, and the connection between people on the stage. So you have to be completely aware of where you are in relation to where the other, people, the other actors are. Mm-hmm. And the same is true for good organizing. It becomes a, a little bit of acting as well as directing, perhaps, <laughs> in being able to help folks move in the direction that you're hoping to move them in. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to thank you again, Lena, for the work that you are doing, um, and especially for your vulnerability in sharing the challenges that you have faced in growing up and having a, a kinship and connection back to Syria and the work that you're doing to... Um, create a support for labor and a support, as you say, maybe a stretch of the imagination in some way, but I don't think so, in being able to look at how democracy is supported through by supporting labor. Thank you. So you also will be joining on uh, September 28th for Borders, Stories, and Transformation. Uh, Again, I want to encourage my audience to take a look at the Eastside Freedom Library, Peter, do you have any closing comments that you want to make about the upcoming program? I'm just so excited to be bringing these four women cultural creators, critics, and in the line of Sasanke's TED Talk, um, you know, that, that if you hear a good story, act on it. And these are all people who are acting on it as well as telling great stories. And I'm excited about the future of continuing our conversation, Peter, about stories and history and culture and bringing to life all the wonderful things happening at the East Side, as well as the East Side Freedom Library that celebrates uh, labor, culture, uh, integration, peace, history, all good things. So thank you, Peter, for what you bring to our Thank you, Lori. And thank you, Lena, for making time for us. Yeah, thank you, Peter, and thank you, Lori. And we look forward to having you all join us next week on Connections Radio Show.